Hello and welcome to the Feast and Be Filled podcast. My name is Joey Schwartz and this show is all about helping followers of Jesus feast on the word and be filled with the spirit. In this episode, we're continuing to talk about steadfast friendship in the spirit. And this time we're answering the question, can brothers and sisters in Christ be friends? That's where we're going. Let's get started. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Feast and Be Filled podcast. If you've been following along with us for some time now, would you leave a review on Apple, rating on Spotify? You can share it with a friend. The only reason I ever ask that is because that's a really simple and easy way for others who would benefit from this show and this ministry, helping followers of Jesus feast on the word and be filled with the spirit. It helps them know about the ministry and learn about it. And that's really the only way we've spread. We don't do any kind of advertising on Google or social media or anything like that. It's all been purely through brothers and sisters in Christ uh, feasting on the word through this ministry and this teaching and then sharing it with friends. So deeply appreciate when you do that because it helps other people uh, get access to this teaching and this ministry. We are continuing our little short series here called Friends for Good. Friends for Good in the sense of friends that build up one another in love and friends for good in the sense of steadfast friendship in the spirit for the long haul. Now we've had two really long, good, rich conversations. One between a sister and a sister, Kelly and Sarah, came on to talk about steadfast friendship between sisters. And then Josh and I had a conversation about steadfast friendship between brothers, which leaves us in this episode to talk about steadfast friendship in the spirit between sisters and brothers. Now, before I get into the content for this episode, let me give you a little bit of background. So, I've explored this a little bit throughout the podcast, my story, when we talked about it in uh, my path to charismatic depth, those two episodes back in season one. But Jesus saved me when I was 17 years old, and he saved me out of a just pure godless life filled with sin. So it was a very much a Damascus Road kind of testimony and salvation. Nine months after he saved me, Jesus clothed me with the spirit to preach. He called me into the ministry of preaching the gospel. And on that very same day that he called me into the ministry of preaching the gospel, that was April 18th, 2012. I remember it because it was a really significant day of calling me into ministry, but it was also the day that I met my wife, Kelly. So Kelly has literally been doing ministry by my side since day one. Now, with this background that I was coming out of, a very fresh believer coming out of a sinful background, and then dating and approaching marriage with a very godly sister and woman who I wanted desperately to marry. And also, I was entering at that time a Baptist church culture. I was faced with the question as I entered college how do I relate to my sisters in Christ? That was a question on my mind. And perhaps like many other brothers in a similar cultural environment and situation, I adopted what has become known as the Billy Graham rule. So 
from the start, I have to say, I have all the honor and respect in the world for Billy Graham himself. I love Billy Graham. I am so thankful for his ministry. I'm thankful for how the Lord preserved his faithful and pure ministry until the very end. But the rule itself that has taken on his name, it generally goes as follows. Billy Graham would not meet one-on-one with any woman outside of his wife. And he figured that if he was never alone with another woman, he would never be tempted toward sexual sin. Now, for a fresh believer like myself, back 10 years ago, seeking to pursue purity, this seemed to me like a really clean-cut way to achieve that. How do I relate to sisters in Christ? Just don't be alone with them. And that ensures that you'll be pure. Now, even though I would not have said it out loud, that principle was at the foundation of the way I related to Sisters in Christ from that point on until Kelly and I got married and then into my early years of post-college ministry. And where the Lord started to turn the tide for me was a conversation that I had a few years after college I was at that point leading uh, a part of a college ministry. I was wrapping up that season. Kelly and I were preparing to leave Durham and move to Charlotte, but we were still in Durham. And I was doing something like an exit interview with a sister who had been on my staff under my leadership. So she was on my team. And this happened to be a pretty rare instance where I was sitting down with her one-on-one. And since I was going to be leaving the ministry or being sent from the ministry down to Charlotte. And she was also coming off staff. I thought it'd be a good opportunity to pretty bluntly ask her, Hey, how could I have led you better? How could I have been a better leader to you? And this sister very graciously, but also very bluntly and boldly shout out to Joy Monet. If she's listening to this, she was very gracious, but also very honest, which was helpful. She told me that I had been cold toward her cold I think she used that exact word, if I remember it rightly, cold. And essentially, she made it known what should have been obvious to me, that in my zeal to not be alone with a sister, and with that as my foundational principle and how I related to sisters, I had neglected the even deeper and more foundational principle to love my sister as Jesus loves me. And this began to crack open my eyes just slightly toward what was a major blind spot in my walk with Jesus. See, my zeal for purity on the way to marriage and in the early years of marriage was a really good thing. And we're going to explore that side of this more in this episode, the zeal for purity. That was good. But as I so eagerly tried to avoid the sin of compromise, I dove headfirst into the sin of cold contempt. I had sinned against my sister in the most foundational way. I had not loved her as a sister. I had not cherished her as a member of my family in Christ. And here is what is so important to underline and emphasize in this episode. This too was sin. It was sin. I was sinning against God by failing to love my sister. So something needed to change. I knew that God had not put me in an impossible situation. God was not forcing me to choose between loving my wife and zealously pursuing holiness and purity and an above reproach life before God. Between that and 
loving half the body of Christ as Jesus loved me. In other words, God was not forcing me to choose between the sin of compromise and the sin of contempt. No, there was a way in Christ to be faithful in both purity and love. But it's not until Kelly and I moved to Charlotte that God started to show me how. As I've recounted and we've recounted many times in this podcast, we went through some really heavy trial, spiritual warfare against our family pretty soon after we moved to Charlotte. And in that, we leaned really heavy into Christian community for help and comfort. And as a byproduct of that experience, we saw the power and comfort of the Holy Spirit. I saw and experienced the power and comfort of the Holy Spirit ministering to me, especially through gifted sisters. Now, taking a couple steps back, because of the loving rebuke of my sister before we moved to Charlotte, God used that to crack open my eyes. But man, when we moved to Charlotte, seeing the mutual ministry of the body of Christ, I started to experience the indispensable power of sisters ministering to brothers and brothers ministering to sisters. And I realized that I could not do without half the body of Christ. And what once became a problem to solve, like how do I relate to my sisters in Christ? It now became a family to pursue. I was asking, how can I best love my sisters in Christ? And this is what I think is missing in so many of our conversations about trying to figure out, quote unquote, the role of women in the church, which to me is as ridiculous of a statement as trying to figure out the role of the right half of a body's torso and legs. What do you mean the role of half of a body's torso and legs? The role, it's half the body. It's indispensable. If you cut off the right half of the body, you don't have a body anymore. But this is what we try to do in the church. We essentially act as though Jesus has two bodies. He has a women's body and a men's body. And as long as women are ministering to women and men to men, the two bodies will grow. But of course, the scriptures are clear. Jesus has one body, Greek and Jew, slave and Scythian, male and female. And the body will only flourish and grow when each part is working properly and ministering to one another in love. And while the conversation about certain roles can be a helpful and biblical conversation in its right place, I do think that this conversation is kind of like a cold and distant family with brothers and sisters who never talk to each other coming together to talk about how they are going to divvy up chores. So you can just imagine the brothers and sisters looking away from each other, standing on opposite sides of the room, folding their hands in contempt, trying to figure out, all right, who should do the vacuuming? Who should do the organizing? Who should do the bathrooms? That conversation is not going to go well because it's not the main conversation that needs to be had. What this family is totally missing is that they have a much bigger problem to solve. They don't love one another. They're trying to figure out their division of labor, but they should start by figuring out their duty to love. And maybe if they can learn to love one another and truly value one another as brothers and sisters, the division of the chores will flow much more naturally. Now, as someone who has stood on the opposite side of the room 
and was even blindly content in a way in my flesh there for a time, I can tell you, tell you brothers that it is truly possible to change your perspective. And let me be clear here. It's not a changing of perspective toward cultural trends or norms. No, we're going to look straight at the scriptures, a change of perspective, perspective that aligns with the Bible toward the other half of the body of Christ. You can change your perspective toward the other half of the body of Christ. And I can tell you, sisters, that it truly is possible to experience a fellowship where brothers and sisters are building up one another, loving one another earnestly, and zealously pure and holy for the glory of Christ. How is God going to lead us into that space? We're going to look at a key text from Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 5, and then we'll talk about some principles on how brothers and sisters can be friends and family for good. Our guiding text for this episode is 1 Timothy 4, verse 16 through chapter 5, verse 2. Paul writes to Timothy, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. So Paul starts out by instructing Timothy in exactly what I had on my mind as I went into college as a new believer. Keep a close watch on yourself. Don't fall into sin that would disqualify you from the ministry of the gospel. Don't open the door to the enemy. But then he shifts into an exhortation that I had either totally missed or errantly read as an aside, but it comes with equal earnestness from the apostle. He says, encourage old men as older men as fathers, encourage younger men as brothers, encourage older women as mothers, encourage younger women as sisters in all purity. Paul exhorts Timothy to watchfulness and purity, but the kind of purity that Paul is telling Timothy about is not a purity that stiff arms or avoids sisters. It's a purity that proactively encourages sisters in Christ, working to help them become more like Jesus. So here, in this passage, we see two pursuits for us as we learn how to be friends for good between brothers and sisters. These two pursuits are zealous purity, zealous purity, and zealous encouragement. Zealous purity seeking to be pure as Christ is pure, holy as Christ is holy, not allowing even a hint of sexual immorality among us, but fleeing from it at any sight of sexual immorality, at any knock on the door of the flesh or of Satan. We have to take purity really, really seriously because Jesus has purified a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Jesus died so that through his blood and through the sanctifying power of his Holy Spirit, we would be holy as he is holy. But just as we take purity very seriously, we should also take encouragement seriously. We're also called to zealous encouragement. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 14, strive to excel 
in building up the body. We ought to excel in love, excel in building up one another, gathering daily, exhorting one another every day as long as it's called today, using our spiritual gifts to build up the body, ministering to one another, like Ephesians 4 says, every single part working properly to build up the body so that it grows into the image of Christ. Zealous purity and zealous encouragement. In fact, the ordering should probably be switched on that because Paul does not tell Timothy, be pure at all costs. And then if you get the chance, encourage your sisters. No, he says, encourage them, treat them like sisters, build them up as sisters, be the family of God. And as you do that, remember to do it in all purity, zealous encouragement and zealous purity. So if we could wrap up those two principles and maybe say it in one phrase, I would put it this way, pure encouragement. Pure encouragement is the principle that ought to guide friendship and family between sisters and brother. Brothers, pure encouragement. What is pure encouragement? Pure encouragement is the practice of making your brothers and sisters more like Christ, not making them like you. It's the practice of edifying your brothers and sisters toward Christ-likeness, not enticing them toward yourself. Pure encouragement identifies any opportunity for the encouragement of the saints and zealously pursues it, but it also identifies any opportunity for the temptation of the flesh and zealously flees from it. Because what Paul is putting forth here in pure encouragement is that there is a tension. There really is a tension. Because when Christ formed this early church, this new covenant family, it was a new opportunity and it was a new challenge for the men and women in the first century. So on one hand, their union in Christ opened the door for daily togetherness. They were sharing all things as one household. It dissolved demeaning divisions between the genders. In Christ, they were really one, like Galatians 3 verse 28 says. But on the other hand, their nearness provided a challenge. So with the inauguration of the church, it's not as though Satan stopped his temptations to sexual immorality and covetousness. No, despite being bound together by the blood of Christ, the church needed constant reminders to honor marriage, to run far away from the lust of the flesh. This tension was present in the church's beginnings, and it's never left. Paul's exhortation to Timothy is as necessary now as it was in his day. But the Spirit tells us how to manage that tension. How should holy brothers and sisters love one another like siblings and still remain holy? Not by avoiding each other. Not by recklessly joining with each other. No. We love one another like siblings and remain holy. Actually, we love one another like siblings and grow in holiness by practicing pure encouragement. If you want to think about pure encouragement and like running it as a filter through your life, you can ask these two foundational questions that are tied to pure encouragement and its opposite. So sinful flattery or sinful flirtation between brothers and sisters and sisters and brothers asks the question, how can I attract them to myself? That's sinful flattery or sinful flirtation. How can I attract them to myself? 
that characterizes behaviors within the body of Christ that tries to pull sisters toward fixing their attention on us rather than getting their attention on Christ and vice versa. How can I attract them to myself? That's sinful flattery or sinful flirtation. In contrast, pure encouragement says, how can I build them up in Christ? How can I build them up in Christ? How can I seek to help them grow into the image of Christ and like a member of the body of Christ, use what God has given me to give them something so that they can grow up in Christ. But you see that distinction? There should be no flirtation in the body of Christ, and there also should be no coldness in the body of Christ. Warm and holy love is the call of Christ, pure encouragement. Now, what does this mean for you? What does this mean for you? I want to walk through maybe four takeaways or four principles to be begin practicing pure encouragement in your relationship with sisters or brothers listening to this with sisters, sisters listening to this with brothers. The first is this, repent of sin toward your brother or sister. Repent of sin toward your brother or sister. We have to begin with repentance, just like this is how God began with me. He brought me toward repentance. Now, this repentance could be over a couple of areas. Maybe you need to repent over the sin of coldness, the sin of coldness. This is a grievous sin. It's a, it's a problem when we take purity really seriously, but not love seriously. Whereas 1 Peter 4.8 says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. In 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul is telling Timothy, he says, set the believers an example in purity. And that's what I was really grasping onto as a freshman in college and in my ministry soon after college. Set an example in purity. Yes, we ought to do that. We have to do that. But also he tells Timothy, set the believers an example in love. And that's what I was missing. If you've been acting as though you don't need half the body of Christ, you're committing the sin of 1 Corinthians 12. It's like the eye telling the hand, I have no need of you. But even more than that, you've been depriving your brother or your sister of the encouragement, the ministry, the spiritual gift, the giving that God wants to work through you to bless them and build them up. So maybe you need to repent of the sin of coldness or we need to cover this. You may need to repent of the sin of covetousness. As we zealously pursue encouragement, we also need to zealously pursue holiness and purity. Ephesians 5 verse 3 says, sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. Or I think the NIV says, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality among you, as is proper among saints. Jesus has formed us to be holy as he is holy through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you need to ask yourself, have you been trying to get the attention of your sisters? Or have you been trying to get the attention of your brothers? Have you been trying to attract them to yourself? Have you been trying to provoke them into liking you instead of provoking them into being like Christ? If you've been coveting, it's not just sin against God. Paul calls it idolatry. It's not just sin against your spouse if you're married, but it's also sin against the person you're coveting because you cannot be encouraging them if you are trying to entice them. You cannot 
be loving them because you've been thinking about getting them to like you. So we need to repent of covetousness too, if that's existing in your heart, because covetousness robs the glory of Christ. It's the opposite of what John the Baptist did. When we try to get brothers or sisters to like us, we're like the best man of the bridegroom trying to steal the attention of the bride away from the groom. No, that brother, that sister belongs to Jesus. He or she is married to Jesus, and Jesus is worthy of all of their love and attention. So repent of neglect, maybe repent of narcissism, of always thinking about yourself and getting brothers or sisters to be thinking about you. Repent of coldness, repent of covetousness. Maybe you need to begin with repentance. The second principle toward stepping into this or action step, expand your ministry to the other half of the body of Christ. Expand your ministry to the other half of the body of Christ. Like I said, we often are tempted to put Christ's body into two bodies. There's a men's body and a women's body. And it's almost like a body trying to function where the right side of the body is only working on the right side and the left side of the body is only working on the left side. And you can imagine how dysfunctional, how harmful a body like that would be. But can you imagine what would happen if the right half of the body expanded their work to the left and vice versa? Instead of seeing one another as a threat, what if we mutually saw Satan and sin as a threat and proactively and ferociously fought against that threat by loving one another with pure encouragement? Just as a strong and healthy body is the greatest defense against disease, a body where every single member, male and female, is working together to build up the body is the greatest defense against the enemy's schemes. Many of us are already in the practice of thinking about our brothers and thinking about our sisters. That's good. Thinking about how to build them up, thinking about their interests, thinking about how you can use what God's given you to build them up. What I mean here when I say expand your bot, your expand your ministry to the other half of the body of Christ is simply expanding your prophetic lens, so to speak. I mean, keeping your ear out for what the Holy Spirit is doing in the whole body of Christ. So just very simply ask, how is God calling me to build them up? How is God calling me to build my brother up? It's, it's very simply, this step is very simply a matter of when you're in prayer or when you're in the fellowship, expand your mind, expand your heart, expand the possibilities of ministry through you, not just toward your same gender, sisters to sisters and brothers to brothers, but consider the brothers or consider the sisters and consider how God might be calling you to build them up. The third action step or move toward friends for good between sisters and brothers is to watch for temptation to sin. Watch for temptation to sin. We've emphasized greatly in this episode the call to encourage one another, but we also need to remember that final note that Paul gives Timothy in all purity. And something I want to mention here is that while God has preserved a holy family within his uh, body within his church, his household. We also need to be aware that there can be evil men and evil women who sneak into the church 
to try to defile brothers and sisters into sexual immorality. We also have an enemy, the devil, prowling like a lion, seeking to pull God's holy sons and holy daughters into sexual immorality. And the call of the scriptures is very clear when it comes to uh, especially comes to someone who is manipulating or enticing or proactively seeking to allure the saints. Proverbs 5 says, don't even go near the door. Don't even get close to them. Don't even make your path cross by a possibility for temptation. And this is where I have great respect and honor for Billy Graham's practice. Don't even get close to temptation. And we must do that. Just flee from temptation, flee from sexual immorality, don't even go near it. We need to continue to be watchful for the enemy's schemes. Now, in this, there's some uh, watchfulness, aspects of watchfulness that may be more clear-cut, black and white, someone who's in the church and clearly trying to pull people away. They're a wolf. They're, they're trying to pull people away from faithfulness to Christ. But the Spirit also may give you a prompting or sensitivity and in, in more of a gray matter, say, the Spirit might tell you, for a time, don't, don't go out of your way to talk to that brother, or don't go out of your way to talk to that sister. It's not a matter of hating them or showing contempt toward that. It's just maybe this prompting or discernment that the Holy Spirit gives you, even if you can't explain it. And very simply, if the Spirit puts that on your heart, just be watchful over that relationship. And that's okay. That's okay. As long as you maintain love, it's good to be sensitive to the Spirit's promptings in that way. But we, what we must remember in all of this, remember in all of this watchfulness, that sisters are not the threat and brothers are not the threat. Sisters are not the threat. Sin is the threat. In our watchfulness, listen to this, brothers, especially. In our watchfulness, we need to be watchful over actions that communicate to pure and holy sisters that they themselves are the threat rather than sin. Now, adulterous women and manipulating men who are trying to sow sin in the church, like Proverbs 5 talks about, they really are a threat, and they really need to be treated as such. Oh, we're talking about holy spirit-filled sisters. How much of a tragedy is it when we communicate to them a totally different message than what Jesus communicates to them? You are holy. You are loved. You are pure in the blood of Christ. Now, in all of this, I want to say that you may want to maintain some principles for yourself when it comes to relating to brothers as sisters or sisters as brothers. Many in the body of Christ only have principles for purity. They only have principles for how they're going to relate. In the sense of, like I talked about earlier in the episode, when they think about sisters, they are only thinking about guardrails and principles. And when sisters are thinking about brothers, they're only thinking about principles for purity. But they don't have practices for love and encouragement. And we covered that. So principles for purity without practices for love and encouragement, it's a way of sinning against your sisters and your brothers in just a different way. But that doesn't mean that there isn't any wisdom around some principles to guide your love for the sisters or the brothers. What I would say in this, as you're, you might be formulating some guardrails to help you be watchful in some principles, is that a complete cutting off 
of the ministry of married men toward the sisters and married sisters toward the brothers, I believe that biblically hinders the flow of ministry in the body of Christ, like blood not being able to reach out to the different members of the body. Again, pure encouragement is needed here, a zeal for holiness and a zeal for love. As an example of this, I went to, as one of scores of examples of this, I went to uh, Raleigh-Durham last fall, and I was gathering with a group of believers in prayer, and a, a dear sister who's married, she spoke a prophetic word over me that totally shaped and marked the entire fall season. It was a precious gift from the Lord. It was a pivotal moment. And I'm so thankful that she didn't think, uh, this isn't my place because I'm a married woman and he's a married man. No, in the gathering of the saints, totally in the freedom of the Holy Spirit, she shared it because we were all in the room going after everything that the Holy Spirit had for us. And she had the perfect freedom to share what God gave her with a brother for his good. Now, this is, this is what is most important about uh, to keep in mind around principles. In an environment where everyone is passionately pursuing Jesus and helping everyone else passionately pursue Jesus, there is little room for the temptation of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. A burning zeal for Christ is the best defense against sin. And I'll also add, if you don't have a burning zeal for Christ, all of your other defenses will be pretty defenseless. A burning zeal for Christ is the best defense against sin, and it is the foundational defense against sin. So uh, the few principles we've covered so far, repent of sin toward your brother and sister, expand your ministry to the other half of the body of Christ. Sorry, I had to think about that for a second. Third, watch for temptation to sin. And then fourth is encourage your brothers and sisters with zeal. Encourage your brothers and sisters with zeal. A little tiny point here is I would encourage you, brothers, when it comes to your sisters in Christ, I'd encourage you to call them sister. Like actually call them sister in conversation. I do that with my sisters in Christ. When I call them or when I see them at a gathering or I see them out, I say, hey, sister, and, or I'm praying for them. I, I call them by sister. Sisters, do this with your brothers. Call them brother. It is a good reminder of who we actually are for one another. They really are your sisters in Christ. They really are your brothers in Christ. And if that, if that sounds a little bit too cheesy or uh, too overt, I, just, I don't think it's cheesy when we align our language with the Bible. I don't think it's cheesy when we align our language with the Bible at all because when we align our language with the Bible, we begin to align our thinking with the Bible. And the more that you call your sisters sister and your brothers brother, it affirms in your heart they are your sisters. They're not a threat. They are your sisters. They are your brothers. They're not a threat. They're not standing in your way. They're your brothers. We're family in Christ, so let's live like it. And how we live like that is to zealously ask all the time, how might God call you to build them up? How might God call you to build them up? And in every single moment, in every single gathering, in every single time you're in prayer, remember, just expand your prophetic lens. Be thinking about not just the right half of the body, but the left. Not just the left, but the right. Think about the whole body of Christ 
and see yourself as a minister who God can use to bless either brothers or sisters. And when God gives you something to encourage them, to bless them, to build them up, whether it's a prophetic word, whether it's a scripture to encourage them, whether it's a a call to pray for them on the spot, do it, share it, give it, build up the body, be zealous, and, and do this for both brothers and sisters. Remember in that 1 Timothy 5 passage, Paul says, treat older men as fathers, younger men as brothers, older women as sisters, younger men as, as or older women as mothers, younger women as sisters. It's not a matter of brothers just encouraging sisters or sisters just encouraging brothers. Of course, we don't want to swing to the other extreme. It's a matter of the whole body ministering to everyone in the body. And this is what has changed for me since the Lord began to convict me of this many years ago. I always was on the lookout for brothers and fathers, men that I could pour into as little brothers and men I could learn from as fathers. And now it, the only thing that has really changed is now I just have little sisters and I have mothers. I look for my sisters who I can encourage, build up, bless. And then I, I look for older women mothers to learn from. And I can say having both is so much more rich. It, it blesses the body. It fills out the body in a unique way, in, a, in an indispensable way. Now, one uh, encouragement I have on this is just to be sensitive on the depth of relationship and circumstances and all of that as you're sharing. That's, that's helpful to keep in mind anytime you're giving an encouragement, anytime you're giving a prophetic word. If you don't know them well, it could be that you're in an environment like that sister shared with me and RDU where you can just share it on the spot. It could be a situation where your main source of encouragement comes through intercession. So as in everything, you have to practice discernment if you're a, bro- if you're a brother encouraging a brother or a sister encouraging a sister. Just a reminder here to, to be sensitive to not just uh, whether the Lord is calling you to encourage, but how the Lord is calling you to encourage, if that makes sense. What is encouragement? I, I, I've spoken about this in other episodes, but I want to rehash it here just really quickly. True biblical encouragement is either pointing out the grace in them or pointing to the grace in Christ. Pointing out the grace in them. Where is God moving in them? Where has God gifted them? Where do you see evidences of sanctification? Where do you see evidences of the mercy of God working in them? And how can you point that out even if they can't see it for themselves? And if you don't have any grace to point out in them, of course, point them to the grace in Christ. If they are in sorrow, if they're in weakness, if they are coming to you faint, point them to the grace in Christ. Pray for them. Remind them of the goodness of the good news, of the shed blood of Christ, the resurrection power that is theirs in Christ, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and the eternal hope that is theirs in Christ. Point them to the grace in Christ. Be zealous to encourage. And just very simply, listen to the Holy Spirit. We need Priscilla to instruct Apollos. We need Paul to instruct Euodia. We need brothers to listen to the Holy Spirit on behalf of sisters and sisters on behalf of brothers. And like I've said, I've seen this in my life in abundance. It's, it's, it's indispensable for brothers to keep their minds open for the whole body and sisters to do likewise. And when you do that, you'll begin to see how when you stop restricting the right half of the body to the right half and the left half of the body to the left half, you'll see how Jesus will begin to allow the blood to flow and to bring wholeness to the whole body. He'll begin to put things on the hearts of brothers and sisters for sisters and brothers. The point here is that 
when pure encouragement is active, the whole body is active in loving and building up one another. This, this, this ought to activate the whole body toward ministering to one another. Now, to wrap up this episode, uh, back on the story that I started with, where has this pure encouragement left me? Where, where am I now? Whereas I once found it hard to imagine what a Christ-like relationship with a sister would look like, I now find it hard to imagine what a Christ-like life would look like without a sister. I can't imagine a pursuit of the word without Missy. I can't imagine not having the wisdom of Dawn in my life. I can't imagine thinking about the gift of prophecy over the last few years without Cassidy. I cannot imagine a fellowship without Katie's prayers and Morgan's exhortation and Shannon's leadership and Lania's discernment and Ashley's strength. It's like trying to imagine me living without the right half of my body. It just doesn't even compute anymore. Now, my, my zeal for holiness hasn't waned one bit. I, by the grace of God, by the work of the Holy Spirit, that has only grown. I am passionate about spotting the tiniest enemy attack against my marriage and preserving, fighting for a joyful, flourishing, intimate, faithful marriage with my dearest sister, Kelly. It's just that along with that, God has supplemented my zeal for holiness with a zeal for encouragement toward the sisters. And yes, that too, I am really passionate about. I'm passionate about spotting the tiniest enemy attack against my marriage, but I am also passionate about spotting the tiniest evidence of grace in my sisters and reminding them as often as I possibly can that Jesus is with them that Jesus has a good work for them, and that I, as their brother, need them to faithfully enter into that work. And you know what's happened as I have been zealously pursuing encouragement? I now have sisters that, yes, I can genuinely call friends. Now, my friendship with them might look different in ways than my friendships with brothers, which is totally natural, by the way, for friendships with brothers and sisters to look very different, but they are friendships nonetheless. I enjoy them. I really enjoy them. I care for them, and I see it as my joy to work for their good. And my theological conviction about the indispensability of sisters in the body of Christ has become a spirit-wrought reality in my life. My sisters in Christ are indispensable to me and Kelly. We just could not do without them. So as for you, pursue pure encouragement. Be zealous to encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. Be zealous to pursue holiness and purity in Christ. Never ask, how can I attract them to myself? but always ask, how can I build them up in Christ? When brothers and sisters are zealous, holy, and loving friends for good, that's when the body of Christ is working properly. That's all for this episode. We'll see you next time.